Welcome to the Cross-Border Interview Podcast, a podcast about getting out from behind the keyboard and just talking. Each week, we invite a guest or two to sit down and talk about their life and their work. I'm Christopher Brown, your host, and this is the Cross-Border Interview Podcast featuring country music star Sarah Harlson. Sarah, I want to thank you very much for doing this. Greatly appreciate it. I lead off all my interviews with the same generic question. I have an idea of how you're going to answer it, but I want to see how you're going to answer it on here. Where did your sense to entertain people come from? Um, That kind of came from my granddad because he was an entertainer and performer too. Um, played accordion for a lot of bluegrass bands. Uh, so I think I definitely got that sense of wanting to entertain from him. And now what about the entertainment aspect of it uh, draws you to continue to do it? Um, well, since I was a child, I was always really interested in, in theater and acting as well. Um, so I love kind of using some elements from that into my performances. Um, but what I love, the great thing about performing is connecting with people, connecting with an audience through your music. So I love to be able to do that. And that's why I love playing live shows, because you can really connect with people on more of a personal level. Now, now you said that you do uh, you enjoyed uh, theater growing up. What drew you to music, though? What was it about that music? Was it your grandfather and his uh, uh, his performances on stage with bluegrass uh, groups, or was there something about you that sort of said, "I want to entertain this way"? Yeah, it was kind of a mix of just you know the family influence, and also I was just always drawn to wanting to write songs and wanting to make music and I learned piano at a very young age and then taught myself guitar so I just always knew that I really wanted to do music it was something that I couldn't live without Um, so that's definitely what really um, drew me to wanting to perform and do you remember your early earlier performances when you were younger and do you remember what songs you were playing during that time yeah, I think younger, um, I was always in like chorus classes and stuff. So I had that. And um, also that was kind of before I learned instruments. So a lot of them were kind of, you know, karaoke, open mic performances, probably not the best, but um, I definitely always had a lot of fun and always did, you know, kind of open mic night shows in high school too. And now, what what were some of the songs that you'd go to? Was was it country or was there a gambit of music? It varied. I feel like, especially in high school, it wasn't really country. The you know cover songs I would choose to perform. Sometimes it would be like Celine Dion. Other times it would be stuff like James Taylor. It was it was more uh, heavily influenced by pop and singer-songwriter and folk when I was in high school and you know I always had a love for country and wanting to perform and write country but it wasn't really until I moved to Nashville is when um, I got better at my craft in in writing country songs and, and performing them too. Well, you, you mentioned Celine Dion as the Canadian podcast. You probably just picked up about 10 to about 20,000 more uh, listeners. So if you if you listen to Celine Dion as a Canadian, you are guaranteed to probably get a few hundred followers from that. Um, right. <laughs> uh, 
your your music as I've listened to your music and your first three uh, albums that you've released there is a soul to it it's not just country that I find in uh, when I was listening to your music there is a cross gambit of soul a little bit of bluegrass a little bit of uh, R&B like you you run a gambit of sounds and did you make that a point when uh, uh making those first three albums of not just being stuck in that country twang music that people uh, generally uh, think of when they think of country? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really something I did intentional. It's just kind of um, who I've always been as an artist and a songwriter. And, you know, even growing up, people have told me, you have so much soul in your voice and I love uh, you know R&B and soul music too so I think I definitely incorporate a lot of that into my music and songwriting as well um, so like my first EP you'll hear more singer songwriter folk kind of stuff and uh, and then it kind of gets more into country as uh, you know my EPs and albums progress but I think one thing that has always stayed true like you said is just kind of having that underlying uh you know soul element to my music and and if i'm not mistaken and correct me if i'm wrong you write all of your music correct i do yeah either uh write or co-write so take me through that process for a new writer in today's uh, era of country music uh with so many country music stars out there right now trying to stand out how do you stand out so what is your writing style to stand out from the pack yeah i mean for country artists kind of the name of the game now is the music that you release it's usually written by you or co-written by you um well first of all as an artist you know you want to be true to yourself or whatever music um you're releasing and not just you know releasing whatever the label or whoever else wants you to release so it's very important to stay true to yourself but i always try to kind of release something with a message that uh maybe you've heard the message before but it's said in a different way so I always try to think of that when writing new songs and how can I say this differently or what would other people want to hear in the lyrics? And when I was listening to your music, there's two songs that really stood, stood out for me. One was Finally Found. Uh, it spoke to me because it was, it's off your first uh, full length or it's off your first album. How did the idea of Finally Found come from? Where did the idea for Finally Found come from? So I wrote that shortly after moving to Nashville, and that, that EP was, was released in 2014, so one year after I had been in Nashville. And I feel like even just being in Nashville for that short amount of time, I truly felt like I was finally found. I was somewhere where I could be in my element and around other people who had the same inspirations and dreams as me. So it was it was just truly nice to be around other people that also did music. And that album, because it was your first album and you probably were impressed when it first came out, when you finally were able to hear track one through track six of that album, were you in, uh, impressed of how 
how far you had come since moving to Nashville because like you said it was released one year after you moved so you are releasing your first album your first EP and it's only been a year since moving into the heart of country music so that must have been impressive for you yeah I was very excited when the whole EP was finished because I was new to the process at that time of being in a studio and what it was like having uh, the true recording experience so as soon as I heard it, it it was amazing and you know the excitement of having a song or album done um, you know it still remains the same now uh the reason you did move to Nashville is sort of a sad story. Your grandfather had passed away and then you decided to finally make the move to finally pursue your dream in uh, country music. So when you were writing that uh, first EP, did the influence of your grandfather come out in the, your writing when you were writing that? Definitely. Um that EP was kind of a mix of things that, and a mix of emotions. It was exciting because I was in the heart of Music City. Um, you know, both of my grandparents had passed, so I I really missed them. So I, I got to write about, you know, my time spent with them. And uh, I even wrote about, you know, some heartbreak from relationships at, at that time and at that age. So it was definitely a mix of emotions. So did does that still uh, weigh with you when you're writing today uh, with your newest uh, single that's coming out here literally next week? Uh, does that yeah. uh, emotion that you felt when you first moved to Nashville still carry over onto today's albums that you're still releasing and to your today's music that you're still releasing? It does. And I always think about, you know, all my past releases when I'm releasing something new and um, you know, it's it's still the same excitement, but it, it's different because, uh, you know, I have changed and things have changed since uh, the be very beginning of my Nashville music career. So it's nice to think back and reflect on, you know, all my different releases and the process for each one. And I always do think of my granddad as well when releasing something because um, music is just such a special bond that we had. Now, I've, I've spoken with... Uh, oh. I've spoken with multiple artists in my time doing the podcast, and some of them have said whenever they release an EP or an album, they only put number one hits on their EP or album. They only put out songs that they know will speak to the audience some way or another, and if they had to pick a single, they could pick any of their songs. Do you agree with that statement? Could you pick any of your songs off your three albums that you've released so far and put them up as a single? Um, I don't think so, but I think if you are going for the mainstream artist direction, it is important to have, you know, songs on your album or EP or, or singles or whatever that, you know, could have good impact on, you know, radio, etc. what you think would be a number one hit. But the, the thing with that is you can truly never tell what's going to be a hit or or not, there's no formula for that. But, um, you know, when I was crafting my other releases, um, you know, I, I thought about, oh, which songs would be good singles and good ones to push. But 
at the same time, you know, you just want to release music that's, you know, straight from the heart. And, and and that's and and I'm glad you said that because straight from the heart is something that you need to do when you're releasing music. It can't just be for the record label, right? It has to be for yourself. You're doing it for yourself and you're you're trying to make yourself happy and not someone else. So when you're releasing uh songs like uh, Put a Rock on This Rolling Stone, are you happy with the way that it came out and happy with the way that you were able to choose that this was the song that was going to be the single because it spoke to you in a way that you think the audience will get that same reaction that you did the first time you heard the completed song? Yeah, um, I do. When I was sitting down with my uh, publisher, I guess last year we were kind of talking about, you know, trying to pick a handful of singles to release throughout this year and next. And uh, Put a Rock on This Rolling Stone was one that was, you know, at the top of the list because it, it, it's, we thought it was such a cool song, you know, melody and lyrics, but also I related to it uh, the most and, and felt so much for it because um, I can relate to the person in the song who's just kind of, you know, a free spirit, but wanting to settle down at some point and I think so many people can relate to that too so um, that one was definitely a special one for me and now for that song was it uh, lyrics first or melody first that came first for that song so I had two other co-writers on that song and uh, one of them was my producer and he, he had that title in his phone I believe and uh, I think we were kind of playing around with the melody first, and um, and then I just started kind of writing lyrics, and we both and we all just kind of you know crafted it together. But um, that's pretty typical for songwriting process for me is to you know come up with a melody first and then uh, kind of write words to it. Do you get writer's block? I've always wanted to ask an artist that, but I've never had the option to. So I'm going to ask you, why not? Do you get writer's block and you have, how do you work through that process of trying to get outside yourself to let the music start flowing again? I do. Um, sometimes there will be weeks when I just don't have any song ideas at all. And then uh, other times, usually the song ideas will hit me all at once, whether I'm in the car talking to someone, watching a movie, whatever, and I'll just nonstop be writing ideas in my phone. But um, I just really never know when it's going to come and go. Um, so if I can't come up with any song ideas, sometimes I'll, you know, have other co-writers help out for, you know, what ideas they might be having. But um, the best thing to... Um, prevent writer's block or just kind of get the ideas flowing again is just to get out and experience something new sometimes stress can be the major thing that's you know blocking your mind so just kind of taking a day or an hour whatever and driving somewhere or watching a movie if you haven't seen one in a while that usually helps the creative juices start flowing again and now with everything going on in the world right now with COVID-19, um, 
everyone's locked down and you you have said that some people uh some artists are not releasing music aren't releasing albums because of covid19 and they can't go on tour promoting it but you decided to release a song in the sort of and i i use this term lightly tail end of covid19 because we still don't know when the actual end of it is but seems like things are trying to get back to normal was it hard to make that decision to say you know what even though we are in this uh uncertain time I'm still going to release it and I'm still going to promote it in the way that I would if it wasn't during this pandemic yeah I mean it definitely was a hard decision because there's just so much we don't know and uh, I guess it was March when it hit and I the song was already done and I was on the phone with my publisher and we were just talking about logistics and I was just saying, you know, we need at least two months to prepare for press and everything. And, you know, I want to be able to get photos and a video done. But with everyone on lockdown right now, I don't think that's going to happen right now if if we try to release it, especially with other artists, um, you know, postponing some of their music. And also during those first couple months of, uh, you know, the lockdown, I feel like a lot of artists were mostly releasing songs you know about um you know the experience of being in quarantine and just more uplifting songs so i felt it was more there was more room for that kind of music for those months but um we kind of made a decision you know june that's when summer starts maybe things will open start opening up again and uh, people will be ready for some more summer and uh you know upbeat music again so um we just set that as our date and you know i think it worked out because things are opening back up again and you know there's so much uncertainty so sometimes you just gotta you know take a chance and go for it well you took a chance and i'm looking forward to listening to the song again um but as i was like literally about 20 minutes before this interview started, I was looking on Facebook and I, I followed you on Facebook and you've already announced your next single that you're releasing as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, no, I've just been doing posts for uh, Put a Rock on This Rolling Stone, but I've been kind of doing some sneak peek lyrics each week. So okay. Uh, okay. that might have been what you saw. <laughs> Something about whiskey, right? Jack Daniels and whiskey? Yes, which is some of the lyrics uh, from Put a Rock on This Rolling Stone. Okay. Um, During uh, COVID-19, I'm assuming you've had to engage with your audience and your fans in a different way than you traditionally would, uh, artists traditionally would, with either be Facebook Live or Zoom uh, concerts. How's that been going? Is is it a different feel, and do you have to play in a different uh, way compared if you were playing at a uh, bar or a concert or a festival? Yeah, it's been fun, and it definitely is completely different from playing live music in a venue, and I miss playing in front of, like, an actual audience. Um, At first, uh, when everyone started doing the live streams again, you know, I've done a few in the past and stuff, but nothing on a regular basis. Uh, So once I started doing them, it kind of felt weird, and uh, you just kind of have to get used to Uh, more of a live stream etiquette where, you know, there's not an audience um, in front of you. So there's no one that's going to 
you know, clap or saying anything. So just kind of getting around, you know, the awkward pauses in between songs and, and you know, being able to uh, talk to people in between songs. Um, so it's definitely been different in that aspect and figuring out, um, you know, the sound. Like I'll have a mic sometimes, but I don't want it to be too loud since, you know, you're pretty much recording with a phone and then I've just been, you know, switching up the songs each time so it doesn't get boring for people. But um, it's definitely been a fun and a different way to uh, reach out to people and maybe people that uh, wouldn't be able to see my live shows um, anyway. Now, what, how, I want to ask this question correctly here. You have performed in bars. You've performed in concert halls. You have performed, like you've just said, in front of your phone for your fans across the country and around the world. Each time you perform is different depending on where you are. If it's at that venue, if it's at a concert hall, if it's at uh, at your house for your fans online. What do you prefer, though? Do you prefer those concert halls? Do you prefer those bars where you can interact with the smaller crowds? Do you prefer the large uh, venues? What do you prefer? Or do you prefer all of them? Um, I love them all, but my my favorite has always been, like, intimate showcases. I did a couple here last year at the Analog in Nashville, and um, that's just kind of a venue that's very... Um, like quaint and cozy and it has you know the dim lighting and just couches everywhere so it's very relaxed but people people don't talk like they they drink but you know it's mostly they're just listening to you so I love those intimate settings where they're truly just focused on you um, you know which is very different from a bar setting and um, you can try out you know all kinds of material on them so um, you can make your set list whatever you want it to be. So I love that kind of setting. When you're in those bar settings and you're uh, performing for that intimate crowd, there can be times when you, your performance is going one way or another way. You get on stage and you could have an amazing night and then you one night you could have just one night where you just you aren't getting that connection with the audience. What do you do as an artist to connect with the audience when you're seeing that connection not building as if it was a good night? Yeah, so I have a good example for this. So uh, last October I was doing a, a full band set in uh, Oklahoma and the first night, and it was at the Old Red in Tishomingo, and the first night uh, was like a three-hour full band, just kind of a cover set. The next day was like an original acoustic set, and that was fun. But for the, the full band cover set, um, me and my guitar player in Nashville um, decided it would be easier just to hire a, a drummer and a bass player already in Oklahoma um, just for the logistics of everything. And we had, I feel like I know where this conversation is going. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone said they were prepared and everything. And we had like a little time to rehearse before the set, but that was pretty much it for us all playing. Like, um, you know, all together as one. And, you know, you know, they had the set list. It's like, oh, it's just cover songs. It should be fine. You know, people get together for the first time all the time on a Broadway stage. And, you know, some the band was just not 
vibing on some songs um, that well. Um, like maybe it would be a little bit off in, in time or chords or something, but not terrible, but just definitely something we notice. So, um, you know, when that's happening and you're in a bar setting, you want to make sure the crowd is entertained because they just want to drink and have fun. Um, so just times like that, I just kind of get off stage with the microphone and, you know, kind of sing with the crowd and, you know, go around with the tip bucket or whatever, you know, interact with the crowd more. So they're kind of, you know, distracted from anything um, weird going on with the band. But um, just engaging in the audience is always so important if, you know, things will go wrong on stage. So when they do, it's, um, always important not to be flustered and just kind of, you know, keep trucking through it with a good attitude. When, when you have those moments of connection with the audience, when you're actually out there uh, singing with them, do you get a sense of uh, energy when actually people are singing the songs that you're singing, uh, whether they be cover songs, but also if you're singing an original song and they start singing along and you go, whoa, you know my song. How How is this possible? Like you are singing with me right now. This is amazing. So when you get that feeling, is it a little bit more of a joy to you that, hey, people are actually connecting with my music the way I want them to? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always get um, energy and joy for, you know, when an audience is singing along with a cover song with me. But, oh, it's it's so joyful when they're singing your own original music. That's always something that's so special. Do you remember the first time that happened? Um, I think it was um, maybe one of my release shows after I released Water Down Whiskey. I did a show. Um, here in Nashville, and I did a show back in my hometown in Knoxville, and um, I had a lot of people back in Knoxville kind of singing along the songs off the EP with me, so that's always really dear to the heart. Now, as a independent artist, as a up-and-coming artist, uh, getting uh, radio time might be a little bit challenging. Uh, I, I'm not sure about the market there in Nashville, so don't quote me on this, but I'm assuming with Nashville being the country hub of uh, all of America, they are playing every country music star's album on their uh, on the radio over and over again. Have you heard yourself on the radio before? I have, but um, most of it's kind of been uh, outside radio or kind of college radio stations in Nashville. Um, it's hard to get on uh, country radio in Nashville just because it's mostly saturated with the main artist. And um, it's even harder for uh, even female main country artists to get on the radio, too, these days. You, then it's an interesting topic that you just brought up, uh, female artists in the country music. And if you don't want to talk about this, uh, I completely understand. But we, I'll ask the question if you feel we'll cut this part out if you want. Um, there's a desire for when women go into the music industry to be a certain way, to look a certain way. Have you felt that in your time or with your record that you're at, they're, they're willing to let you be who you are and let you perform as you want to perform and not change yourself to the mold that they want to put you in? 
Yeah, I think um, I think when I first moved to Nashville, it was still kind of the assumption: oh, you need to be, you need to look like this, and um, you need to sing this way and have this kind of hair, et cetera. But I feel like um, definitely in the past few years, that mold has kind of disappeared. It's still there a little bit, but um, I see more people getting signed that maybe you wouldn't think play country music and like Ashley McBride and uh, even people like Chris Stapleton who really don't fit the mold of what you would think a country artist uh, looks like. But I think it truly is more about uh, talent now more than ever. And and I couldn't agree more on that. Uh, today, we seem to be saturated with every songwriter and uh, musician who wants to be a musician and songwriter puts something out. But I, when I, I listen to your music, and I, I, I want to make sure that my listeners know this, and I, I ask them to go and uh, listen to your stuff on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple Music, download it if they can. You... You connect with the audience because you you tell real life stories, and I, I find that so lacking in today's music. So when I was listening to your music, when we were setting up the interview, I was listening to someone who was trying to connect with the audience by telling real stories. Is that right? Did, did I hit the hammer on the nail there? Yeah, that's definitely true, and that's something I've always uh, tried to stay true to myself with my music. Is just. Uh, being authentic and you know country music started with storytelling and you know it's getting a little bit uh, more focused on the pop melodies now rather than the story and the story of the song is just always something I feel like is so important um, to tell so I'm always mostly focused on you know what story do I want to tell my audience and it's kind of ironic because you have one of the greatest country music stars in my case behind you and and for my for my listeners who are no, who don't see this it's Johnny Cash and he's flipping the bird because that is Johnny Cash to a T he uh, he was that he was that authentic telling a story and when you listen to your music you can tell that you were influenced by so many of Johnny Cash's generation like the Patsy Cline the Waylon Jennings is that like, did you listen to those with your grandfather growing up? And then when now you are trying to bring country to where it was and not to what you, like you said, the pop-ish country. Right. Yeah, um, I I did. And Johnny Cash has always been one of um, my big influences to just, um, you know, my music probably doesn't sound like his, but it's just the storytelling and stuff. <sighs> he had in his lyrics respect so much and that's something I always want to take and stay true to my own songs and you know I love all kinds of music um I I do love pop music and um all sorts of other genres so uh I like to put that as elements in my songs sometimes too but um yeah, I just like to stay true to myself with the storytelling of my music. And and one of the story, I, I literally just had to look it up because I didn't want to get the incorrect title for the song that I like. Um, the one that I listened to a few about probably about fifty times uh, on loud, and the people in my house yelled at me to turn it down because I was listening to it because I really enjoyed it. Was if heaven was a honky tonk, 
and I found that song and the people that you mentioned when you were mentioning this, uh, the people in the uh, the bar in heaven if it was a honky tonk those people influenced you in your writing style and your music career and who you are today as an artist if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. yeah that was this that's probably one of my favorite songs off of that EP because it was so special to write and I was writing it with uh, my co-writer Matt Hunley and he's more of like traditional country kind of artist so um, we just wanted to take all of these uh, you know older artists who inspired us so much who you know have passed away and um, that was just an idea I had for a while because you know, wouldn't it be great if heaven was a honky tonk? So um, we definitely wanted to incorporate all of those people in it. And speaking about people you've written with, I was fascinated when I found out this. One of your songs was co-written by Garth Brooks' guitarist, Radio Static. That yes. and it and it's on your first album that it was released. So first off, you moved to Nashville. One year later, you release an album. You are making waves by a having Garth Brooks guitarist right with you. What was that like? Because writing with someone and writing by yourself are two separate entities. But writing with someone so legendary about their music and who he's worked with, that must have been just flabbergasting. Yeah, so the story of how I met uh, Johnny Garcia is pretty funny, and he is my current uh, producer and publisher right now, so uh, he produced uh, Put a Rock on This Rolling Stone, and I've been working with him for quite some time, um, because, you know, besides uh, playing guitar for Garth Brooks, he also has his own publishing company, and so I met him in 2015. I was riding with my friend Justin, and I remember one night uh, Justin was like, hey, I'm going to go write with uh, Johnny Garcia and uh, Brian Carper at his publishing company on the road. Do you want to come? I'm like, heck yeah, I want to come. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so, and I think I was only 20. Yeah, I was only 20 at the time. So I was like, wow, this is big. Like, <laughs> I hope I don't mess up. So um, we park on the row and we knock on his publishing house in the door and Johnny answers and uh, he looks at me and he said, oh, I thought I was writing with a different Sarah tonight. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no, it's just me. And he's like, oh, never mind. It's fine. Like, come have a beer and let's write. And uh, so we wrote Radio Static that night. Um, and that was my first write and time, first time meeting Johnny, too. And so I decided I wanted to put that on my first EP, which I was recording with a different producer at that time. Um, well, shortly after, you know, before releasing that EP, I ran into Johnny at an event on the row. And I said, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but we wrote that song a while back and I'm putting it on my EP. And he's like, oh, that's great and everything. And he's like, if you haven't finished it yet, let me put guitar on it. So uh, before releasing it, we had him put guitar on it. And uh, and then we exchanged information and I asked him if he wanted to play at my EP show with me. And he said, yeah, sure. So 
we did that. And uh, since then, we just kind of uh, gained a, a writing relationship and have really gotten to know each other just through writing and playing shows together. And in February is when I signed uh, my publishing contract with him. Um, so he's the one that's helping me produce and release all these singles. But um, yeah, I always like to tell the story of how I met him because it's definitely one of those uh, Nashville stories of, you know, how you just run into people and, you know, what becomes of it. Has he taught you anything that you use on your day-to-day life of when you're going out and performing, when you're uh, writing music? Has he taught you something that he said, you know what, I need to listen to him and actually do what he said because it's it's invaluable knowledge that he's passing down because he's been in the industry for so long and now he's passing it on to me. And like you said, it's sort of the Nashville story. An up-and-coming girl from Knoxville gets the chance of a lifetime to uh, to be able to get mentored by such a legend in the uh, music industry, the country music industry. Yeah, so when I first met him, you know, he he asked me, you know, what are your goals? Of course, I was, you know, releasing stuff as an artist, but I told him, like, you know, I like releasing my own stuff, but Nashville's so saturated with artists already. I think I'm just, you know, going to move forward with my songwriting and focus on you know, being a professional songwriter and not really do the artist thing anymore. And he's like, okay. And he asked me to come play a showcase. Um, I think that was one of the first shows or showcases I did with him. Uh, so we did that. And then I got off stage and he came over to me and he just said, if you don't, if you don't go for the artist thing, you're making a horrible mistake. And I just kind of thought about that. And I was like, you know, this guy has played with some of the best people. And he's telling me I'm going to make a big mistake if I don't go for an artist career. And um, so, I mean, that's a simple case of, you know, it really just takes one person to believe in you to, you know, make you want to do something. So that has been something that has stuck with me every time I have wanted to give up or, you know, thought something, this isn't just going to work out. Um, that's just a moment I always remember that kind of, you know, keeps me going. Like there's people that believe in me and I'm not going to let them down. Awesome. Uh, let's talk about the thing that no one likes to talk about because you always want to live in the present, but the future. (laughs) Uh, you are releasing your newest single, "Put a Rock," uh, put a little, put a rock on this Rolling Stone on June twenty sixth. Uh, this episode will be airing in September, so it will have already been released. Um, I got to ask: Is there a CD in the future for Sarah, or is it just another single after this? Or can we get a little tidbit of what the future holds for Sarah? Yeah. So the plan right now is um, just to kind of release you know, kind of single after single, but I think um, by some time next year, I think this is the way people are kind of doing it, but um, releasing an EP with the singles that will have already been released plus some extra new songs. So um, by September, you guys can definitely um, stay tuned and look out for, for even more new music. 
And what about yourself? I'm assuming if uh, everything gets back to normal, you'll be going back out on the road to perform, I'm assuming? Yes, I hope so. Um, in Nashville, there has been live music resumed, at least on Broadway, but uh, there's still a lot of uh, musicians kind of playing to empty places right now, and some people, you know, aren't really able to pay musicians, so it, it still is a weird time to book shows, but I definitely hope soon in the future I'll be able to book more shows and get out to performing again. Now, my last question here before we wrap up. Um, you've been living in Nashville for six years, almost seven years now, since 2013 when you first moved there. You have released three EPs. You are currently releasing your new song here at the end of next week. Looking back at 2013, Sarah, could you have imagined you've got made it this far? No, I don't think so at all. You know, I had dreams and, you know, some of them were, you know, crazy, like no limitations. And but I truly had no idea back then, you know, what was going to be my future. And um, I would have had no idea I would be where I am right now. But um, there's always so much more to come. And I'm sure a few years down the road I'll be looking back and saying wow again but um, that's the great thing about the unknown you just never know what's going to come awesome Sarah I want to take this moment and thank you very much for doing this for my listeners the link to Sarah's website and uh, her Spotify account and her Apple music and to her store on her website will be in the show notes so take a moment listen to her I uh, I can say that I've uh, you've uh, gained a fan in me Sarah and I would suggest all my listeners to go out and tune in and as Calgary is the national of of Canada I will say to the people who run the Calgary Stampede one of the largest outdoor country music festivals in all of Canada reach out get Sarah up here for next year because she is an amazing artist and I think she will make an amazing artist at one of our festivals in the future thank you so much No problem, Sarah. Yet again, once again, thank you very much for doing this. Greatly appreciate it. I've enjoyed my time and I've enjoyed getting to know you. And like I said, you have a new fan in me. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you once again for listening to the Cross Border Interview Podcast. If you love this episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast, head over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. All the links to our social media accounts are in the show notes or visit www.crossborderinterviews.ca. The Cross Border Interview Podcast was produced and edited by Miranda Brown and Associates Incorporated. Be sure to tune in next Saturday for our next episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast. Once again, thank you and see you next week. Bye-bye.